Are you tired of scrolling your feed only to see the highlight reel version of motherhood? If so, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Motherhood Intended Podcast. I'm your host, Jacqueline Baird, and I'm a passionate mom here to support women like you in their unique journeys to and through motherhood. I have been through it all. We're going to be talking about things like trying to conceive, infertility, IVF, surrogacy, mom life, and more. It's time to get real about what it takes to be a mom and come together in the fact that things don't always go as planned. So here we go. Welcome to the very first episode of Motherhood Intended. I am so excited to be launching this podcast. It's been a long time coming. This has been a passion project of mine that I've been wanting to do for a while now. And what better time? It's the beginning of the year. It's actually my birthday today. So super excited that I get to celebrate with all of you listeners. I'm actually 35 today. 35. It is my 35th birthday, which in the fertility world, 35 means I'm geriatric. Yay. (laughs) That's right. If I was pregnant right now, I would be considered a geriatric high-risk pregnancy. Geriatric. I don't know about you, but 35 feels like life is just starting, you know? I think they really need to find a different term for that. But anyway, I really wanted to just start this podcast off with telling you a little bit more about myself and sharing my fertility journey. You know, my story is the driving force behind this podcast, and I just really wanted to get it out there. And my hope is that it will help other women not feel alone in their experiences. Maybe it'll teach you something. My story, as you'll you'll hear, has many layers to it. You know, I'm lucky enough to be a mom now. I have two amazing boys, a three-year-old and an almost five-year-old, but getting there was pretty intense. My story spans over about eight years, almost nine years at this point that my husband and I have been basically our whole marriage trying to have a family and grow our family. So yeah, it's, it's been a lot, but I'm hoping that my story can help other people not feel alone. I hope I can educate you. I mean, unfortunately I have knowledge on a lot of different topics as it relates to trying to conceive and fertility and loss and IVF and all the things. So I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here to listen. And I'm so excited that this podcast is officially launched. I did just want to give a little bit of a warning. I am going to be talking about miscarriage and preterm delivery. So the content really isn't going to be for your kiddos ears. So if you have little ones around, maybe toss some AirPods in. My promise to my listeners is just to be transparent and vulnerable and tell these stories like it is. So let's start from the beginning. To tell you a little bit about myself, I'm your typical type A personality. I love to plan. I'm super organized. I love writing everything down. I have a lot of lists all the time. I usually know exactly what I want and will stop at nothing until I get it, which can be a very good thing, but also a not so good thing. I love stand-up comedy. I love laughing. I love movies. I love wine. I love hanging out with friends and being social. I love planning parties, which doesn't happen as much now that I'm a busy mom. I have struggled with anxiety for about, I don't know, 13 years now. I'm always dreaming and coming up with these grand plans and schemes and business ideas. I love doing that. I love being creative. But then there's my anxiety that usually inhibits me from and worry that inhibits me from making these dreams a reality. So props to myself on the on the podcast here because this one I followed through with. The timing just felt right and everything just feels right about it. I love people who know me know that I love to talk. I love to chat. I'm an oversharer. You know, give me a glass of wine and you'll hear stories you you didn't even ask for. But it also felt right because I've been a stay-at-home mom for the last three years now, three, almost four years, you know, dabbled in part-time work, but I have not been at my full-time career in almost four years now. Podcasting sounded so exciting to me because I actually went to school for broadcasting and video production. Always thought I wanted to be on the video side of things until I was in an editing bay by myself and I was not seeing enough people. I was not chatting with people. I was not being social. I needed to be more out in the world. Obviously the world has changed a lot, you know, since COVID and everything. And I've learned the power of communication and community like online, which is extremely helpful, not only during times like COVID, but, you know, as a parent who doesn't get to get out as much as I used to. So yeah, those are a little bit about me and why I love the idea of this podcast and a little bit about my personality, which you'll understand a little bit more later, how my persistence and 
type A and organization and, and all the things comes into play in our fertility story. So let's start at the beginning. My husband and I got married in 2013. I was 25 years old. After being married, we decided we wanted to wait a year before trying to start a family, you know, to enjoy marriage, as they say. We both knew we had always wanted kids, even to the point where like, I remember being on our first, not our first date, maybe our third date. And we're out and we're having drinks and it got to the point where we're talking about how many kids we want. We're calculating like, okay, if we want to put four kids through college, how much would we have to make? I mean, we were just like planning out our life on like date number three. So needless to say, we were both in it for the long haul very quickly after meeting. So after a year of marriage, we decided to start to try and have a family. I remember we went to Aruba for our one year anniversary, which is also where we went on our honeymoon. And we were just like, all right, let's try. Let's do this. It's easy, right? I mean, I've been told for years that if you have unprotected sex, you will get pregnant. <laughs> the birds and the bees and uh, it's that easy, right? It's that easy. Not so much. Not so much, at least for us. To, to rewind a little bit, I mean, I had gone off birth control eight months before our wedding, honestly, just due to like insurance. I know the birth control that I was on, it wasn't going to be covered on our new insurance. And I had planned to go off of it on our wedding day anyway. So I had been off of it for eight months and I, I was on birth control for about seven years. I think I started it when I was 18 and it was the kind it was, I think it was called seasonal, but it's where you get your period every few months or whatever. So I wanted to make sure my body got back on track, but I kind of had that out of my system. So yeah, went off birth control eight months before the wedding and then again, was off of it for a year before we actually started actively trying to get pregnant. We ended up trying for six months. And I remember my OB telling me when I told her we wanted a family and everything, I remember her telling me, okay, that sounds great. We'll get you off your birth control and then try for one year. And if you're still not pregnant, come back and see me. Well, after about six months, I just kind of felt like something wasn't right. I kind of chalked it up for a while of like, oh my gosh, it's just my type A. It's not happening. Like I had a plan. Why is this taking so long? But truthfully, I just really did deep down feel like, you know, I just think something's off. Like something isn't right. And I had always had like pretty heavy periods and painful periods, like ever since my very first one growing up. So I felt like there needed to be some further investigating. So she referred us to a fertility clinic and we went there. We did all the initial testing that they do. And two things came up with me. One was that my thyroid levels were a little bit off. I guess in general, they weren't too bad, but for trying to conceive purposes, they needed to be, you know, in a different range. So I wasn't really feeling any effects of hypothyroidism or anything at the time, but you know, they wanted these levels to be in a certain range. So to increase our chances of getting pregnant. The other thing that was found after they did an ultrasound of my uterus and everything was that one of my fallopian tubes was blocked. I had polyps on my tube. So essentially it was blocking the sperm from meeting the egg. You know, the egg was coming down my fallopian tube and they just were not meeting. So right off the bat, that was cutting our chances in half just with that issue. So I ended up getting put on medication for my thyroid to get that all leveled out. I went on the medication a few weeks later, they tested my levels again. And then for my fallopian tube, I had to have a procedure called a tubal cannulation. And that was where they go. It's not invasive and they, they go and they unblock my fallopian. So I had that done. Those two things were the only things that came up. You know, my egg count was good. Everything else checked out. My husband's tests looked fine. So after my tube was unblocked and I was on my thyroid medication, we were sent on to try again. Now this time I got a little bit smarter after doing a bunch of research and everything. You know, the first six months we started trying, I was just like all willy nilly, like off birth control, like just like, oh, you can get pregnant. Like I, I was never taught. I don't know about you, but I was never taught like there's like six days a month that you can get pregnant. Didn't know that. <laughs> I mean, I went years just thinking like, oh my gosh, if I have unprotected sex, I can get pregnant at any point. I really wasn't taught anything about ovulation or, you know, the details of all of how that works. I, yeah, I mean, I don't remember that in the birds and the bees talk or in school or anything, which we'll talk about that further. But I, I just really believe that uh, young women should be educated on this sooner and, and, in all the details of how our body works. So anyway, this time around, you know, we are sent to try again. I started using ovulation predictor kits. So I knew exactly when I was ovulating, when we should be doing the deed to increase our chances of getting pregnant. So we tried 
for another six months. Trying was no longer fun. It was a chore. It was stressful. I felt like a failure for not getting pregnant. I felt like I was disappointing my husband. I know he was frustrated. We both just wanted this so bad and we could not figure out why it wasn't happening for us. We thought we had fixed the issue. There was nothing else that our doctor found that should be preventing us from getting pregnant. At this point, I was 27. My husband was 32. You know, we're young. We were just chalked up to, I guess, unexplained infertility after that because we tried for six more months before going back to our fertility doctor. So now I'm 28. I'm 28. There's no other issues except we're just unexplained infertility. So at this point, our doctor suggested we try an IUI cycle, which is interuterine insemination with Clomid, which is a medication. So we did. I was put on Clomid, which is a medication to help increase your production like of eggs and then the insemination. So you prep for the cycle, you go in, my husband does his deed, and then they inseminate me. We did that. We were told that if IUI was going to work, that it would happen within like three to four tries. If it doesn't happen three to four cycles, likely you're going to need a further intervention to get pregnant and that isn't going to work for you. This is what we were told at the time. So we did a cycle, negative test. We went on to do another cycle and another cycle. And it was after our third failed cycle of not getting pregnant. And I was responding to the meds. I was responding to the meds. My follicles were growing. I was monitored well, you know, inseminated at the right time. I did a trigger shot. Everything was going as planned. And then I still was getting these negative pregnancy tests. And at this point, I truthfully, I was, I was getting worried. I was starting to feel like this was never going to happen for me. At this point, after three cycles of IUIs, you know, IVF was brought up by our doctor and I just, my husband and I, we just could not wrap our mind around that yet because we were, we were unexplained infertility. Like in theory, we should be able to get pregnant. And to me, IVF just felt so like end of the road. Like I failed and this is your only way to get pregnant and have a family. And that was the only avenue I saw and was told about. I knew it would be a burden financially. I didn't know all that was involved at IVF at this point, but I knew that it was a big deal. So yeah, we decided to do one more IUI. You know, originally we were told three to four tries. So I'm like, you know what? Let's do a number four. And at this point, truthfully, I was not, was not feeling great. We did these cycles back to back one month after another. So these hormones I'm on, I just remember feeling very, honestly, like inflamed all around. I felt not myself. At this point, I'm kind of like crawling out of my skin. I just did not like Clomid. It was just all very stressful. And of course, life is going on around you, right? Like it's not like everything stopped and this was the only task. You know, I had work and family and other obligations and I wasn't totally open about what we were doing. I mean, with my immediate family, I was, but like my friends didn't all know. My work didn't know. It was just something that was very heavy on my body and on my mind and my heart. But I was keeping it to myself. You know, I just, I figured when we get pregnant, if we want, we can tell people how we got pregnant. But at this point, I just, I wasn't there yet. I didn't think anyone needed to know. So me and my husband carried that alone of what we were doing. So this fourth time, we did pretty much the same protocol because I was responding. I just wasn't getting pregnant. So at this point, I knew what I was doing. You know, I knew how the medication works. I knew how I would feel. I knew what the timeline looked like. I remember just trying to just not think about it and just like get through it and get myself to pregnancy test day. So pregnancy test day came around. And at this point, I had even learned a little bit more about pregnancy tests. You know, I'm not just buying like one digital, like, are you pregnant? Are you not? I was starting with the test strips and I was comparing, I mean, to the point where like I was just starting to see lines that weren't there because I wanted to see it so badly. I remember I had a piece of paper and I wrote what days and I taped all the tests like one by one and I, I like would swear it was getting darker. And I had done this the last couple months. So I felt like a pro and I was like, no, I see two lines. And it was still early. I wasn't expected to take a test that early, but I was just, I couldn't wait. It was all I was thinking about. I mean, it consumed me. Yes. And so I was seeing the line getting darker 
And on the day that I was told to test, I took an actual pregnancy test that said, you know, not with the lines. I needed one that was clear cut because I, I was convinced I was just seeing things. Took the test. Lo and behold, says I was pregnant. I finally had gotten pregnant. Oh my gosh. I think I was just shaking with joy. I mean, I, I couldn't, you know, you think of all these different ways before you're even going to get pregnant. You're like, oh, I'm going to surprise my husband and I'm going to do a special thing and it's going to be so great. Well, when you're doing an IUI and you're going through some fertility treatments and having assistance, it's not that magical, right? You're not just like, oh, you're just not just, you know, having sex. And then you get to surprise your husband with a positive pregnancy test. It's like, everyone's very aware of what's going on. You're trying really hard. Everything is calculated. Everyone knows what day that test is happening. So I took the test and I, I just ran downstairs and showed my husband. I still have pictures of us with the test beaming. It was one of the most exciting days ever. I had always wanted to be a mom as a little girl in my teens. I remember thinking like, man, I don't, I don't know exactly what I want to do with my life. I don't know exactly which career I want, but I know that I want to be a mom. I have always known that. I've never doubted it. I want a big family. I want to be a mom. I want to experience that joy and that just everything that comes with having a family. And so when Josh and I got married, like I said, we, it was, it was like a love at first sight situation. I mean, by date number three, we knew we were in it for the long haul. And part of that was because my husband wanted the same thing as me. I mean, he wanted a family just as bad. This was our dream. It was our dream to be married have this beautiful family and live a great life. So needless to say, we were ecstatic to get this positive pregnancy test. I called the clinic, told them what happened. Obviously they had me come in. We did a blood test and yep. Sure enough, my beta showed that I was pregnant and not only was I pregnant, but I was starting to not be concerned, but I was curious about the number that was given to me. I can't remember the exact number now of my beta, but it was high. A quick Google search showed me that what an average beta is, and it can range. And I know this now that like you can have a high beta number and it doesn't mean you're having twins. You can have a low beta number and it can turn out to be twins. But a quick Google search told me that it could be likely that your numbers are so high because you are carrying a multiple pregnancy. I didn't think too much of it. I was just like, okay. And at this point, I didn't have as much knowledge as I do now. So we go in. And again, because we're doing our fertility treatment, we did the IUI. Everything is monitored differently. You know, with a unassisted pregnancy, you are getting your first ultrasound at eight weeks, which was the case for us as well. But we had multiple ultrasounds after that, whereas in like a pregnancy that where you are not doing fertility treatments, typically you'll have your eight-week ultrasound for the heartbeat. You'll have a 20-week ultrasound for the anatomy scan. And then I believe maybe one more. When I tell you that we had, I have a whole album of like ultrasound pictures sonograms of this pregnancy because not only was it assisted with IUI, but we found out at our very first ultrasound, we were extremely excited to see not one, but two gestational sacs, twins. We were pregnant with twins. Honestly, I was, I wasn't even scared. I wasn't even thinking about how this was all going to pan out. I was just like, wow, like if this was not worth the wait, I don't know what is. I mean, we had tried so hard for a baby and now we were having two. We were just like literally in disbelief and just so, so excited. And I loved being pregnant at this point. You know, I had a great first trimester. I mean, I didn't really, I felt like a little nod, but other than that, I just, I felt good. I felt so proud of my body and I felt so excited for our future and everything was going fine. My mom actually had twins. My brothers are twins. And so, you know, that was nothing new. I mean, obviously I, I was like seven when my brothers were born, but I have memories of two babies being in the home. And, you know, I had my mom to talk to about twins. I knew it was going to be okay. I knew I'd have her advice and her guidance. And so it was just a very, very exciting time. Everything, like I said, was going fine. 
my pregnancy felt good all the way up until I was about 14 weeks out of nowhere. I had bleeding. I, all of a sudden, I just went to use the restroom and out of nowhere, I was just bleeding and bleeding. When I say this is a memory that is just ingrained in my head. I mean, at the time I didn't know what was going on. I was like, Oh oh my gosh. Like, and, and truthfully, I didn't know anything about miscarriage. I didn't know at 14 weeks that anything could go wrong. You're told, I just knew the standard, like, okay, you need to hear the heartbeat. And then at 12 weeks, it's safe to tell everybody that you're pregnant. And to rewind a little, we did. I waited until 12 weeks. We were so ecstatic to tell our family, our extended family, our friends. We posted it on social media. We had a fun little announcement with with our dog, Stella. You know, there was a picture of her with like two pairs of baby shoes. And it said, wait, you're having how many? twins coming February, 2017. But at 14 weeks, things took a turn. Like I said, I just thought I had to go to the bathroom. (laughs) And what happened after that was just so traumatizing. There was just so much blood. I was downstairs in our bathroom. I was like, oh my gosh, like, oh my gosh. And I I didn't want to tell my husband. I ran upstairs and I was like, okay, I just need to handle this. Everything's okay. Everything is okay. But my body would not stop bleeding. It was getting so scary. I knew I was not okay. I called to my husband and I was like, I I think you need to call an ambulance. Like, I don't know. Or or we need to go to the hospital something. And I I didn't even know how we'd get to the hospital because I was bleeding so much. So he called an ambulance and he called my parents and they came and I was rushed to the nearest hospital, which was like three minutes away, as opposed to the 10 minutes of our hospital where I was supposed to deliver. Yes, I was just losing so much blood that it was an emergency. And I didn't realize it at the time. I just knew that something wasn't right. I do remember being in the ambulance and they're asking my name and asking me to spell it. And I just, I I was, I was a little confused. I think I was in shock and I was just not in a good state. So they rushed me to the hospital and I was in the ER and I'm in the bed. My mom was there. My husband was there. And we were just waiting. I remember them pushing on my stomach a little bit. They checked me. I was, I still had heavy bleeding and we were waiting for the doctor. And again, I don't, I don't know this doctor. This was not my hospital at 14 weeks with my very first pregnancy. I truly had no idea what was going on. I knew all this blood obviously wasn't good. So in my mind, I that's it. I was afraid we were waiting for the doctor to come in and do an ultrasound or I guess to talk to us, you know, the ultrasound tech or nurse or whoever was doing it did an ultrasound, but she's not allowed to tell us anything. I am looking at her face, which has absolutely no emotion. And then the doctor comes in and she says, you're pregnant with twins. And I said, Yes, I am pregnant with twins. And she said, I'm so sorry, but there's there's only one baby in there. And at this point, I just I just start crying, but I, I don't even realize what she's saying. I, I just I'm like, what do you mean? Like I was prepared for her to say, like, there's no heartbeat. But she said, There's only one baby in there. We only see one baby with one heartbeat. And I just, I, I couldn't wrap my mind around that. I I wasn't understanding. And truthfully, the rest of that memory is kind of a blur. She said, this baby that we see on the ultrasound looks fine. We're going to need you to see your OB tomorrow. We need to make sure that everything else in your uterus is going on, like that, that everything is okay for this baby, but I'm sorry, you only have one baby. So after that, I mean, I was in the ER. And so I'm literally sent home. I am sent home the next morning. I have to go to my OB and she's doing an ultrasound basically to confirm the same thing. And they're just doing a lot of apologizing. I'm so sorry for your loss. I'm just trying to figure out still like what happened 
to my baby. But yet also I'm like hopeful and grateful that we still have what seems to be a healthy baby. I just, it, it made no sense to me. So I am replaying that traumatic night over and over in my head only to realize that I delivered. I delivered one of our babies at 14 weeks. I saw nothing. There was so much blood that I I did not know. that th- There was no sign of anything of that going on. No one told me that's what had happened. No one explained anything to me. I was not given the hard details that I really could have used. So I didn't have to try and play this out in my mind for the next long time, long time, years, until I fully grasped what had happened. So now I'm at my OB. Our second twin is looking fine. There is a strong heartbeat at this point. They're not seeing any kind of trauma that could inhibit this pregnancy. I was put on like a modified bed rest. And for those weeks, I can't even tell you, I have never, I've never prayed so much for the next weeks than I have in my entire life until later on in my story, I'm realizing, which will come, but I tried to stay positive. I was honestly ignorantly positive in those two weeks that followed the loss of our first twin. Everyone around me was positive, which was needed. I had such great support from my parents and my family and obviously my husband. Everything was going fine. I was able to like during the day, I would just kind of rest. I was working from bed. I was told to move around. I wasn't told like, don't just stay still. Just take it easy. Take it easy. So the first week I pretty much spent on the couch because I was just kind of terrified to do anything. And I just really wanted everything to go well, obviously. I naively thought that the worst was behind us after that first week. I was like, okay, like status quo. I'm still pregnant. Everything is fine. I feel fine. Focus on the positive, be hopeful for the baby that we have and just keep moving forward. And we did. We got a notification that our genetic testing results were in and we decided to look at them. We wanted to know maybe it would provide some information as to Maybe something was wrong genetically. Maybe that's why we lost one of the twins. Plus, we would get to learn the sex of the babies, which we were hoping would maybe bring us closure for the twin that we lost and then maybe bring us closer to the baby that we still have. So we picked up the envelope from our doctor and we brought it over to my parents' house. At this point, we were spending a lot of time with my parents. It was just comforting to not be alone and you know, we're doing the best we can Josh is trying to take care of me. I'm trying to be positive for myself. And my parents were there to help take care of us, to be honest. So we brought the envelope over to their house and we opened it up and it said females. Both of our twins were female, two girls. Immediately, I was filled with all sorts of emotions. I was extremely happy at the thought, at this point, again, I was feeling confident. I thought I was going to have a daughter. In the same breath, I was extremely, extremely heartbroken that I now know that I had lost a daughter. Thoughts of like what that would have looked like, you know, these two girls growing up together and always looking at one and missing another. I was just filled with emotions. And on our whole path over the years, I've learned that it's okay. Like it's normal and it's okay to feel multiple feelings at one time. You can be happy for one thing and sad about another, hopeful for one part of your journey and worried about another. There's no wrong answer. All your feelings are valid. And in that moment, I was feeling all the things, you know, and I can only imagine how everyone around me was feeling. I'm sure my parents were like ecstatic for me and they were so excited for their first grandchild and a granddaughter. But then like it's confusing because you don't want to be too excited because it's a very sad situation because we still lost a baby. So again, all the feels, all the feels at this point. Most importantly, the genetic testing results showed that everything was perfect with these two babies. There was nothing wrong. So that was actually confusing as well because we were grateful, grateful that genetically everything looked healthy. But it was also very confusing as to then why, why did we lose one of the twins? We didn't have any answers at this point. 
So the next week I truthfully spent pretty confidently. I started moving around a little bit more. I wasn't just like on the couch, definitely taking it easy though. I wasn't doing much, but honestly daydreaming, daydreaming about this daughter that I now know we're having and looking forward. I was looking forward to my next appointment truthfully because I wanted to know that everything was still okay in there, but I ended up I started spotting. I started bleeding. And obviously, right away, I called my doctor. And they had me come into the hospital. I think it was a weekend because that always happens. Anytime I need something from a doctor, it's even now with my kids, it's it's always on a weekend. So we went into the hospital. They hooked me up at first to one of the belts to see if I was in any kind of active labor to try and monitor any contractions. You know, I wasn't feeling any contractions to my knowledge. I mean, Again, first time being pregnant, I also have a pretty high pain tolerance. I just assume that if I'm having contractions, like I'll know, you know, like when you see in the movies. And so they hooked me up to the belt to see if they could monitor anything. But truthfully, at 16 weeks pregnant, I just, I wasn't that big. And it's hard. It's hard to track those things when you're not that far along. So there was nothing there. They brought ultrasound in. They saw the baby. Everything looked good in there. Even though I had some bleeding, baby's heart rate was good. There was no trauma that they could see in my uterus at that point. Everything was just looking fine. That being said, they wanted to monitor me. They were just going to like send me home, especially with you know what happened last time. But I ended up being there in the hospital for six, seven, eight hours with no change at all. And again, the bleeding wasn't that bad. It was present, obviously. And that's why I went in, but nothing had changed. And because I was only 16 weeks along, and I say only just because, and I learned this now, you know, anything after 20 weeks, if you were to lose a baby, it's considered a stillbirth. And everything before that is a miscarriage. And you have to be at least 20 weeks to go to labor and delivery. Otherwise, like I, I was in triage. I was in an uncomfortable bed. Hours went by. I mean, of course, there's nothing to do but just worry and think of all the different scenarios that could play out. So finally, my doctor came back in and she said, you know, there hasn't been any change. There's nothing that we can see at this point. She said, it's up to you. You can stay here and we can continue to monitor you. She's like, oh, you know, or you can go home. Obviously, everything looks different in hindsight. But in that moment, I was like, okay. I asked her, I was like, if I mean, if you feel confident in sending me home, then yeah, I'd rather be at home. It's more comfortable than sitting here in the hospital, stressing out and freaking out all day. I'll go home. So I went home. My mom came with my husband and I, and we got home. I was set up on our couch. We were just going to relax, try and take our mind off of everything that was going on. So we decided to put on a movie and I will never forget that evening. I was like, I need something uplifting. I need something to take my mind off of everything that's going on. I just need to feel strong and empowered and just like put some good movie on. And the movie we watched was Joy with Jennifer Lawrence, you know, the one where she invents the mop and everything. It's a real like woman power movie. So that was a nice distraction. Although like half hour into the movie, I'm feeling almost like cramping. Again, having never been pregnant, never being in labor, I didn't know what that was. I just thought, oh my gosh, I'm just like really uncomfortable right now. I don't know. It's just got to be with everything in the day in that uncomfortable bed. And then, you know, it would come and go. It would just come and go every 20 minutes or so. And it wasn't super painful. I was just very aware of it. It was uncomfortable. I'll say that. So we finished the movie. My mom goes home. We go upstairs. We go to bed. I truthfully don't know how long I was asleep. And at this point, I feel like Looking back in hindsight, they were contractions. I know this now, but any kind of cramping or any uncomfortable feeling I was feeling, it wasn't enough to even keep me from going to sleep. I went to sleep until, and again, I don't remember what time this was, middle of the night. I just, I woke up, like I just popped out of bed. I think my body was an autopilot because I, I don't know how I would know that quickly what was going on or what was wrong. I just knew something's not right and I ran to the bathroom. And I didn't get any further than into the bathroom. And I, and all of a sudden I, I, I go to sit down because I think I'm going to be bleeding or something. And I delivered our baby, our baby came out. I can only imagine from Josh's point of view, the pure terror that he witnessed. I was just screaming at the top of my lungs. I was just like, it was an out-of-body horrific experience. Everything felt like seconds long. 
One second I was asleep. One second I was in the bathroom. One second I had my baby. One second paramedics showed up. And those poor paramedics, EMTs, whatever they were, they were the same ones that were at my house two weeks prior. They didn't know what to do. They had to, I mean, they cut the umbilical cord. They were younger, you know, younger guys. I remember one of them asking like, how, how far along were you? And I was like, I'm only 16 weeks. I'm only 16 weeks. And they're like 16, 16 months. Like what, like they, it was, I obviously knew that my 16 week baby could not survive outside of me. I remember they literally went into my closet and got a shoebox and had to transport our daughter in the ambulance with me there. And at this point I was losing so much blood. I was not in good shape. I was, I was not good, but my husband pushed for us to get to our hospital. That was ours. It was just five minutes farther away than the other hospital. And we didn't want to be there again. We needed our doctors. We needed everything. We needed to be in the best care possible. So luckily I was taken to the hospital that not only I was born at, but the hospital we've been to for everything. And I can't even describe when we got there. My parents followed us. My parents got there super fast. I remember being in like a triage room and just like thinking like, where, like, where's my baby? Where is my baby? And, you know, I'm, I don't even know what was going on with my body, but I remember like I, I had to, I told someone I was going to throw up. I threw up. I mean, I was, man, they were hooking up IVs. It was, it was utterly terrible. At some point we were taken to, I believe a labor and delivery room. You know, they took care of our daughter and she was in a little bassinet in the room with us, like behind a curtain. And for someone who's never been pregnant and never given birth and truthfully had only seen a handful of like fresh newborns in my life, I just couldn't even wrap my brain around what my 16-week baby was going to look like. I was scared, which made me feel ashamed because she's my daughter. I remember the nurses coming in and saying, do you want, do you want to hold her? And I just, at first I was like, not right now. I remember looking at my husband and just being like, I, I don't know what the right answer is. Like, I'm terrified. Like what? I, I don't know. Finally, there was a nurse that came in and was comforting. And she said, do you want to hold her? She's perfect. She's perfect. So I was given my daughter to hold in my hands. I mean, she's was so tiny. She was four ounces. They had her in a little hat and wrapped up in a blanket. She was, she was perfect. Then 10 fingers, 10 toes. And after holding her, I just, I hated that. I mean, I didn't want to let her go. It was, it was the loss of a dream. It was the loss of a life. All the feelings of my other daughter now seeing what a 16 week gestation baby looked like. I'm thinking of my other daughter and I can't wrap my head around like, how could I deliver a baby slightly smaller than this and not know it? How could my body just literally drop the pregnancies. Like, man, it was, I was just numb. I was numb through it all. And it was a really hard time, a really hard time in our life. You know, it was confusing too, because I was just overwhelmed with grief. But in the back of my mind, I was just like, that's not it, right? Like I, I want to try again. Like I want, I want this to work out. And I don't know if it's like my body's, my mind, I should say like defense mechanism to just like, like I need to fix it. I need to fix this. I need to keep moving forward. But that was kind of my initial reaction to everything and not really knowing how any of this works. I mean, when we were at the hospital, we were met with a grief counselor and the chaplain came in and they were asking if we had plans for cremation or a funeral. And, and I mean, I was barely wrapping my head around the fact that I was I wasn't even halfway through my pregnancy. I didn't know how this worked. I couldn't even, and it's sad, but at that point I was like, is that what I should do? Like a funeral? Like, are people going to, it's like, I didn't feel worthy of these options because I didn't get that far. I didn't have a full-term baby. Like, I, I don't know why I felt this way in hindsight. I mean, now I have a very, very different outlook of all of these things. And I have processed the losses of my daughters, but like I said, my survival technique was I just kept going. After I recovered, you know, the hospital, I can't even remember if I stayed the night. 
which is terrible. You know, I was sent home and then the next day had to follow up with my, or I don't know if it was the next day or if it was six weeks postpartum, like normal. I I can't remember at this point, but going back to my OB's office was pretty traumatizing. You know, I have all these memories of talking to her about wanting a family and seeing my babies on the ultrasound. And now I'm back there for a postpartum visit and I have no children. And I didn't know anything about postpartum. I didn't even know that I was worthy of feeling postpartum feelings because I just felt like I didn't have a full pregnancy. So I should just move on. I should just, I'm fine. Everything's fine. I don't have to heal physically, mentally, anything. And man, do I know now that that is just not the case. Not the case. I jumped back into my work. I was working full-time at this point. I was hosting events for a big tech company. I was in community management. So I was very forward-facing online and offline. And that was hard. That was hard because not everyone, I mean, I was hosting events with the same group of people, but it wasn't always the same people at every event. So not everyone got the memo about what was going on in my life. I will never forget, I was running a check-in table at an event I was hosting and someone came up to me and was like, oh my gosh, like how are the twins? And I was just like a, probably a deer in headlights because I was like, I, sorry, I, uh, I actually had a miscarriage. I mean, I didn't even know how to word it. I, cause again, you don't want to make the other person feel bad. At least that's how I was. I didn't want to make anyone feel bad, but so, but I should have protected my own feelings. So I went back to work and I, I do, I remember my boss at the time asking me like, are you, how are you doing? And I was like, I thought she meant physically. I was like, I'm good. You know, I'm doing great. You know, I didn't have my follow-up with my, my doctor, you know, I'm fine. And she's like, no, like, how are you doing? I remember her asking, do you want to take any time at that point after we, you know, lost our second twin? I was just like, I... I don't know what else to do with myself. I, I have to work to keep my mind off things. I know now that that probably wasn't what I should have done. I should have taken time to process everything, be kind to myself, be kind to my body, be kind to my mind and my heart because otherwise, you know, you can't push grief away. It will sneak up on you if you don't acknowledge it and feel your feelings. And truthfully, my grief over the twins was pushed down for years, five years, five years until later on in my story. And uh, you'll, you'll understand why these feelings came back and I had to process for real what had happened with my daughters. That whole experience changed me forever. I was robbed of the experience of pregnancy because going forward in our story, pregnancy for me was truthfully ruined at that point. I know too many things. I could never be just ignorantly blissful again and calm in a pregnancy. But yeah, losing babies. And in that way, that'll change you. So we didn't end up doing any kind of funeral or memorial service for our girls. It was a hard decision because again, like I said, I just didn't really feel worthy of it. And I didn't know what the right answer was and who would be there. And I don't know. I truthfully just wasn't in the right state of mind to handle any of that. But the hospital was amazing. We got so many mementos of our daughter. We decided that day in the hospital that her we had always liked the name Cecilia, CC for short. And so that's what we named our daughter. And we realized we don't have a name for our other daughter. And my husband, bless his heart, like as they were bringing in this box and a teddy bear and like all these things to remember our daughter, you know, he let them know that we we lost another daughter. We lost her twin. We lost her twin and, and we were at another hospital and they did nothing. They did nothing. There was no certificate of life. Nothing like, like nothing had ever happened. We were just sent home and said, sorry. And that was extremely impactful. I didn't realize how impactful that whole situation at the other hospital was until experiencing Cecilia at this hospital because everything they did for us was truly comforting and it was the best care we could have received in the worst situation. We had pictures of her. They took pictures with certain items that we now have and just knowing that she wore them or had them and they're in our possession. That's all I have. That's all we have. I have ultrasound pictures 
and whatever we were given from the hospital. And they were so sweet. They made up a whole nother box for our other daughter, even though she wasn't delivered at that hospital. And we named her Charlotte. It was the other name we had been contemplating. And again, everything happened so fast with finding out we were having twins to finding out we were having girls and and losing our girls. We just, we weren't prepared, obviously. So we didn't give them middle names, but they are precious Charlotte and Cecilia. And I, I'm really grateful to have what we have of them to remember them by. And we spent the next six months really just, you know, we, we talked about them. We've always been, we were open about our loss and kind of accidentally, to be completely honest. And like I said, it had only been a month prior that we announced on our social media and everything that we were expecting twins. Two weeks later, we had to share. I guess I didn't have to, but it felt necessary. I had to share that we lost a baby and then to share again that we lost another baby. I mean, it was all so devastating. I remember just walking around and doing my normal day-to-day, going to work and being around friends and other people and just like feeling like I had just a big note on my head that said what happened. I was just a shell of myself and I felt like everyone just knew. And I don't know, I felt like shame and pity and it was just a terrible, terrible feeling. It did bring comfort to us unexpectedly, like sharing our losses because I got so many, obviously not the same story, but so many messages from women saying that like, I had a miscarriage as well. I've had a miscarriage. I've had a miscarriage. Later on, I find out that one in four pregnancies end in miscarriage. Obviously this isn't like the doom and gloom information you want to give a first time mom, but truthfully, I just think any information is good information. I mean, it's the truth. You're not alone. I wasn't alone in losing my babies. Obviously, my story is a a little intense, but as are all miscarriages. However, it wasn't until I started talking about the details of it even that I realized even in that I wasn't alone. So over this time, you know, we really were just processing everything. We took a pause for about six months before deciding to return back to our fertility doctor and try again. We were kind of rubbed the wrong way right from the beginning because we got in his office hoping that he might have some insight into our loss or anything, anything at all that we could grab onto to make sense of things and how we can stop this from happening again. And he kind of just said, well, you know, twin pregnancies, a multiple pregnancy is a high risk pregnancy. So, you know, genetically everything was fine. We don't have any answers for you to be completely honest. He's like, I remember him saying, I know it's not what you want to hear, but we don't have any options. He's like, so, but we're going to get you pregnant. We're going to get you a baby. And truthfully, I mean, I could have used, and I'm so sorry for your loss. I could have used something along those lines because yes, we were there to talk about next steps and trying again, but man, like those were babies lost. That was traumatic. Right away, he was like, well, you're ready for IVF. We'll do IVF. Let's do IVF, IVF, IVF. And I just remember thinking like, I'm not ready for that. I'm not ready for this. Also, in regards to getting pregnant, we got pregnant with an IUI before. A couple things. That's covered by insurance, or at least at the time for our insurance, it was. IVF was not. It's very expensive. We figured If we got pregnant last time via an IUI, let's just do that. It's less invasive. It's less money. It worked. Let's try again. I have more information and knowledge on this now, but in hindsight, should have gone straight to IVF because we ended up doing three more medicated IUIs with Clomid to try and get pregnant. And each cycle was a negative pregnancy test. I mean, I'm not surprised at this point. My body had been through so much with all the hormones and everything, the four rounds to get pregnant the first time, and then pregnancies and deliveries and depression and stress that I didn't even realize I was having, anxiety, everything, and then more meds and hormones. I mean, I'm not surprised it did not work. And you know what? Throughout the whole process, our office, the fertility office that we were at was just getting busier and busier. And we just didn't feel like we were getting the attention that we needed. So we decided to switch fertility clinics. I had started to join some communities online on Facebook and stuff to get some support. And it's actually right around this time I started listening to podcasts. And I started listening to a podcast that was about your fertility and everything. And they had a guest on there. 
And it happened to be my doctor that we ended up seeing. I trusted her judgment. I loved how she explained things. She was a joy to listen to. You could tell she was passionate about helping women get pregnant. She had her own infertility story. And this podcast, I ended up listening to it. She just happened to be located in Illinois where I'm at. So her office was about an hour away, but I was like, you know what? I don't care. This doctor knows what she's doing. And this podcast has been so informative for me. So I went ahead and I made an appointment. We made an appointment with this doctor. And just from the beginning, she was like, you guys have been through enough. You have been through enough. You've lost enough. Let's figure this out. So we decided it was time. We're going to move forward. New fertility clinic, new doctor, and we are going to try IVF. So I'm going to stop my story there because as you can hear, it's it's a doozy and it's long and we're going to save this for the next episode. We will dive into our journey with IVF. As you know, I do have two children, so stories on that to follow, but that is the first half of our fertility journey. Again, that's from the time we were married, more or less, until about 2017, so The next four years to come will be in the next podcast episode on Thursday. So I hope you tune in to really understand my whole journey to motherhood up until this point. And of course, to listen how I have my two wonderful boys now. So aside from this first week, you can expect Monday episodes to be just me diving in a little bit deeper to different topics of fertility that I have knowledge on, talking about motherhood, and also giving some real life updates on my own life. And then Thursday episodes will be with a guest. We'll have a guest on each week, every Thursday, and I'll be chatting with women about their own unique experiences and hearing their stories. Next Thursday, you can look forward to hearing my chat with Allison, who talks about how she decided to freeze her eggs. Thank you so much for listening to the show. I'm so happy that I get to have these conversations as it relates to fertility and motherhood. These are topics that typically get buried beneath the usual highlight reel that we're all scrolling on social media feeds. So thank you so much for listening. If you found value in this episode, be sure to share the link and share it with a friend, share it with your husband, share it on your Instagram account, and you can tag me at motherhood underscore intended. I love resharing the post. I love seeing that you guys are listening. I really appreciate it. And if you could write a review, I love reading those messages and it is so encouraging as I build out this podcast and record more episodes to know that people are enjoying it. So please leave a review if you can. And if you're looking to take the conversation even further, we have a Facebook group called the motherhood intended community, and I will add the link in the show notes, but it's a great group of women. There are over 300 women in there right now all different stories, all unique backgrounds. And the whole group is just about supporting each other, whether it's asking for advice, talking about the different topics that you hear on the podcast, sharing funny memes. We're all in this together. And you'll also get the inside scoop on the podcast in this group. So join us. It's Motherhood Intended Community on Facebook. Happy New Year. Thanks again for listening and be sure to tune in on Thursday.